Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. What's up? It's the most beautiful day outside. I mean, it's... <laughs> I know. It's so Spring great. Spring has finally come. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Very, very exciting. Also exciting is that I'm going to see you on Tuesday. Oh, my God. I know. And, 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 well, we will have released this probably on Tuesday. So if you're in Ottawa, drop by. Drop by and uh, see us at Mayworks, where we will be doing a live show. Where, what's the venue? Uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not sure. I mean, if you search Sandy and Nora with Mayworks, you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> we should have planned this yeah. better. Um, but yes, we're going to be in Ottawa. We'll publicize the location and everything so that you folks can see. And then our next show will be a live show in Ottawa. Where there's a lot of flooding right now, if that's affecting you, I'm so sorry. It's pretty awful. Yes. And if you want to do a live show with us, I mean, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) We're into it. And also, can I just say thank you to everybody who is contributing to our Patreon? Um, we've, We've got a lot of interest lately, and it's really great because the next level on our Patreon is a level where Nora and I will organize two live shows a year if we get up to $1,000 a month on Patreon. Right now we're sitting at about uh, 600 650 somewhere between 600 and 700 which is so close. It's totally. so close. If we get there, we will have the money to be able to actually like put on some shows for you. Yeah. It's so exciting. There's so many provinces I haven't visited yet. <laughs> Wait, really? Mostly on the east. Uh... Yeah, mostly on the east. I haven't I haven't done I have not been east of Quebec. Okay, everybody listening to this podcast who's east of Quebec. I mean, and like you have got <laughs> to bring Sandy out. That is a crime <laughs> that you've never been out there. Yeah, I know, right? And I've also never been to Alberta. Uh, l- less of a less of a crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, and you know what? We're not talking about this today, but I do want to shout out the students of Alberta who organized um, a a walkout in protest of the United Conservative Party, the party that is currently in power, the Jason Kenney uh, grossness. (laughs) Uh, they, They organized a walkout protesting the proposed rule changes where the government would support or um, mandate uh, schools to let parents know when their children have joined a gay straight alliance group on campus. And um, as we've seen in Ontario and Quebec, you know, the kids, they're being politicized majorly by all the old hatefulness uh, that runs so much of our political world. And it's heartening. Yeah. Yeah. In Halifax, too. Actually, there's a really big rally in oh, Halifax. Yeah? I didn't hear about yep. that one. They targeted uh, the the liberal MP the liberal MP's office in downtown Halifax, and uh, the photos show quite a little crowd, quite a mighty crowd. So good work. It's great. And then also this weekend or last weekend, because you're listening to this on Tuesday, there was some uh, student actions uh, across Ontario protesting education cuts. So you know, so many really great things happening from high school students and younger. So we support you. We do. And if you're not uh, super young and you're listening to us, uh, don't think that your ass is going to be saved by kids because it's not. So (laughs) (laughs) 
so take take a, excitement and inspiration from what what folks are doing but um you know don't leave the work up to them <laughs> no don't do that okay but today we are talking about how wonderful the canadian government is to refugees compared to every other government in the world so wonderful because, so so wonderful because that is how the canadian government likes to portray itself but that may be a complete lie. May, maybe. It might be. It is verifiably a complete lie. <laughs> it is. Yeah, th- this is one of these issues that makes me so uh, infuriated. Because so, so often there's like this debate between who's worse, the liberals or the conservatives. Yes. And actually, many times this week, uh, someone, people have said to me, well, um, just wait till, till the right, your right to choose is taken away. And then you'll know who's worse between the liberals and the conservatives. And <laughs> it's kind of like... I'm not sure that that's how we should be looking at this. <laughs> oh, no? Like, first of all, no, like, the conservatives, first of all, are not going to touch abortion as it sits, like, popular uh, above 70%. Like, let's be fucking, you know, realistic about this stuff, that a lot of the most terrible decisions that politicians make are rooted in polls, which is bad because it means that, like, what Doug Ford's doing and the, the shitty stuff that Jason, that Jason Kenney's going to do and, and Justin Trudeau, is like in the polls supported by probably, if not a majority of people, uh, almost a majority mm-hmm. of people. Except on the refugee issue, this there's not really even a, an, a, a point that you can throw out and say, yes, but don't you prefer the liberals to the conservatives on this issue? Because we have a, a situation <laughs> no. where, well, I'm, I just can't really believe it. In the last couple of months, w- can, give us the rundown, Sandy, on, what's, uh, on what the liberal government's done. Okay, so we've got, you know, we've got this budget that comes out, which is ostensibly a, a list of priorities for the government to do with their budget. But buried in the budget bill is a provision to change the way that the Canadian government will hear refugee cases or how people who are... Um, uh, claiming asylum when they cross the border uh, will be dealt with. And of course, this is really significant, given that we are beside the United States, which has uh, quite famously changed its attitude towards asylum seekers. And also given that uh, Justin Trudeau, media darling and cover boy of whatever American magazines, a few Canadian ones, I guess. <laughs> Chatelaine. <laughs> Chatelaine and, and Simpson star um, <laughs> famously states that, you know, Canada is, is welcoming and does not, you know, share the same thoughts as the United States with respect to asylum seekers. Well, the change in the budget bill is that if an asylum seeker has attempted to get asylum elsewhere, they will not be heard in Canada. That is a significant change, especially given what the changes have been in the United States, because uh, it means that Justin Trudeau's, the way that he has positioned himself publicly as different than the United States is just a lie, because it means that we inherently support Uh, whatever decisions the United States has made with respect to asylum claimants. Also, um, the Safe Third Country Agreement, which we've kind of explained on this program before, but in case you haven't heard it or or don't know what, what it means, 
The Safe Third Country Agreement has been in place uh, for a while, and what it states is that if if a asylum seeker crosses at an official point of entry and has already been has already landed in a place that Canada considers a safe third country, like for example the United States then uh, they cannot claim asylum in Canada. They'd have to claim asylum in the United States. But if it's not an official border crossing, so like Roxton Road, then they, they can claim uh, asylum or attempt to claim asylum or make their case. My understanding is that this, the change in the, in the way that refugees are, are being uh, dealt with after this, this budget bill is that that is no longer permitted. Major fucking changes, and you know, like I, I don't uh, even. I would be interested to read if uh, where that sits with international law. But it's it's a major, major change, which means uh, that everything that we think about, or the popular imagination thinks about Canada with respect to asylum seekers, refugees, a safe haven place uh, for people, um, a better United States, <laughs> is just all hogwash and it has been for a while like we you know some of us who who do this sort of work at supporting people uh know this stuff uh but you know i just you know and this liberal government is taking us even further um into the same old negative attitudes uh, towards asylum seekers um and migrants and uh, tapping into the xenophobic thoughts of some of the people who live in this place yeah, I, like one of the things that I'm, I, I feel like is the weirdest part about all of this is, you know, the, the idea of the safe third country agreement is that the, the country that the person is coming to is coming to Canada from is a safe country, a country where uh, there are no refugees. We've declared that they're a safe country and, you know, the, there are no refugees coming from the United States to Canada. <laughs> Except it also, I mean, like, and so that's, you know, we can talk about that being kind of ridiculous um and actually we should have that conversation because that's that's an interesting part of canada u.s relations in the long history actually of how many americans have come to canada escaping something mm-hmm. um you know like the the vietnam war uh caused such an influx of um of americans who refused to fight that it actually really did change the social uh fabric of, of canadian society and a lot of those folks became kind of celebrities you know one of being Mr. Dressup, mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. But what's what's even stranger is that we effectively outsource our asylum process to another country. Because if, if someone's been rejected by the United States, this agreement says that we are completely down with how they rejected that person. That we trust the United States to have gone through whatever process they go through. And it is A-OK from our perspective that this person is not a legitimate asylum seeker which from the perspective of like canadian sovereignty like if you really want to be a like really close-minded canadian sovereigntist about all of this makes even less sense because it should be canada that determines who meets our threshold of asylum seeker or not you know based on of course international convention and what our policy says but we outsource that to other countries to just let us not have to at all deal with this issue which becomes easier because we don't have to put as many resources into it. And uh, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, when someone comes to Canada, it's like, oh, you already tried to get asylum in, in the United States. Like, sorry, goodbye. And we send them we send them home. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there's been some news that says things like Canada will, uh, you know, before doesn't won't necessarily deport people right away and will take a look at blah blah (laughs) right (laughs) we'll take a look if things are safe in the asylum seekers country of origin before um, looking into deportation i there's no specifics that are easy to find um about this but again like what that just suggests to me and nora's already said is (laughs) that there's going to be more detaining of asylum seekers instead of I mean because what's 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 the alternative if it's if it's not allowed if it's going to be rendered illegal if it's not going to um, result in in hearings at all what is Canada going to do and increasingly there have been uh, detentions of asylum seekers in Canada yes so one of the things that the the Trudeau government has also done in the last in their mandate was they apologized for how the Canadian government at the time, under Mackenzie King, treated the SS St. Louis, which was a ship full of of European Jews that sailed from uh, Germany originally to Cuba, which of course is the United States at the time, and they were denied by the United States. And then they sailed up to Canada, and there was the famous line from Mackenzie King that, that none is too many, for Jewish refugees, Mm -hmm. and they were sent Mm -hmm. back and most of them died in the Holocaust. And Justin Trudeau made a watery-eyed apology to the Jewish community in Canada for for rejecting a boat full of refugees whose life was threatened. They had already been rejected by the United States. I mean, this third country agreement effectively just lets us do the exact same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like the hypocrisy from the liberal uh, from the liberal benches is, is just like is galling, and I mean, it's it's kind of a shame that there haven't been enough mainstream organizations or organizations that don't specifically deal with refugee uh, and asylum claims shaming this decision, because at the end of the day, like the way that a government treats asylum seekers and refugees says a lot about how they treat poor people or racialized people. Or, or regions that are hard to get to, or, or people who are marginalized in some way in society. Yeah, anyone who is not accepted as like the, the quintessential Canadian, as, as um, you know, culturally created uh, through you know, the white supremacist organization of this country, um, and as some of the, the most vulnerable populations, the populations most at risk, you can tell a lot about the way that the rest of the country treats people who are marginalized by the way that they treat um, people who are seeking right. asylum. What do you think about the fact that it was in the budget bill? Well, I mean, I guess this is a really good opportunity for me to be like, I saw it. <laughs> I wrote an article about it. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah, and people can check that out. I wrote for the Washington Post about... Um, the money that uh, that was being promised and and this is how how it happened so there was like talk about there's been talk for a year at least that the, that the government wanted to tighten up the safe third country agreement where you've got folks in the NDP um, and I and, and especially uh, their critic calling for the safe third country agreement to be suspended and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, refugee and asylum activists saying we need to suspend this because this is, this doesn't make any sense that we would just lock any access to Canada from from the from the largest our largest border, right? And so in the fall, um, there was kind of a, a, a words put out that 
that um, that they would be seeking to strengthen the safe third country agreement, which is strange because all we'd heard was, you know, the NDP saying, no, you know, repeal it. And then, of course, who did they put in power to oversee the border security? Bill fucking Blair. Right. And so that, that's quite a, a sign to what they were thinking. But in the budget, they 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 uh, promised tremendous chunks of money to two areas that very few journalists paid attention to and one was the one of them was was our actual our, our engagement in the middle east like we're paying billions of dollars still to be engaged in iraq and syria <laughs> like what <laughs> and then other other military engagements as well i guess mali and ukraine or whatever and the second huge envelope was on border security and it didn't say what it was for and so i, I wrote this article saying like it's got to be tightening up border security and uh and I got one uh, one person criticized what I said by saying, no, no, it's not necessarily that. It could be something else, right? Because the details were not in the budget. It was just border security. And so I think it was confusing enough and quiet enough to make sure that it didn't raise anyone's, like no one noticed that that was the story from the budget or very few people noticed. And it wasn't until almost a month later that the the policy that they were hoping to implement was announced that then explained why they're offering massive sums of money. And so effectively, for the majority of people who cross over the border, uh, border security is being beefed up to be mm -hmm. able to just instantly return them to the United States. And so so do you think, though, like, it just, like, yes, that's an explanation of, like, uh, being able to, to see through things in the budget. Like, the budget can sometimes uh, hide measures that are happening and it takes some some good savvy like the type that Nora Loretto has to be able to to see through it but like <laughs> the ethics of it what do you think it's it's I actually think that it makes a lot of sense because it explains how the liberals see this issue which is just dollars and cents and they're going to justify it with dollars and cents so they don't actually have to confront racism and white supremacy do you think so I I, I don't think that they just see it as dollars and cents I think that they know that uh, it is hypocritical to the way that they have portrayed themselves in the past and in fact that they need to hide it um, in the budget and not speak about it as like a, as a, a this is our next policy move, um, something that they're proud about and uh, proud to stand behind and in, instead are able to kind of diffuse it uh, in news over a few weeks as people try to figure it out mm -hmm. because they know that it's um, it's a hot button issue, uh, a very polarizing issue, and one that their kind of centrist base may not feel really good about. Well, I'm not surprised that they didn't like hold a press conference to announce these changes. But there, there's also the the broader political kind of discussion about where we are that allows for something like this to happen so quietly and so easily. Because the conservatives mm -hmm. would not make a big deal about this because they effectively support it. Yeah, exactly. And and with the NDP, you know, the the NDP has just not been able to to get much attention on this issue. And I don't know what their internal strategy is, if they've been like really fighting for it or if the comments that we see are just them reacting to what's going on in the in the news. But like aside from aside from like immigrant activists, like pro-immigration activists or, or asylum or refugee activists and, and like people who are involved in the system, like lawyers who see like the problems firsthand. There's very few 
organizations adjacent to this issue that have made this into an issue. And so for the cons- for the liberals, it's actually been yeah, it's putting it through the budget and not really mentioning it was obviously a strategy to depress people paying attention to it. But on the other hand, they named they named a high profile shithead to be the guy who oversees <laughs> this. I yeah. mean, that that also is a massive, that's waving a red flag being like, hey, do you remember eating um, white bread and, and cheese slices while you were in a jail cell with fucking 60 people and you're handcuffed behind your back and you had to have someone else wipe your ass, which all happened at the G20 in Toronto. Mm-hmm. The guy that orchestrated that is now overseeing the border. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, I don't know, maybe, I guess it, it's pretty blatant. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. Okay, no. so you just mentioned lawyers. Yes. There's something else happening in this country with respect to refugees. And that is uh, the fact that in Ontario, legal aid funding that goes towards helping people who don't have the funds to access uh, justice in the same way that people who are rich do, mm-hmm. can no longer be used uh, to support refugees at all. So there's been massive, massive cuts uh, to Legal Aid Ontario. Um, that, And as someone who uh, is on the board of directors for a legal aid clinic in Ontario, I can tell you there's been a lot of communication that's basically like stop everything, stop the hiring, stop, stop new spending. It's really shifted... Um, what legal aid clinics have planned. Mm. Um, and by shifted, I mean absolutely stopped <laughs> in their tracks, um, uh, maybe plans for expansion or increased services or just maybe even the same services that um, people have going on. Mm. And significant to that, the general cut was uh, a, a provision that no longer could legal aid Ontario funds support refugees. In, in Ontario, which is possibly against the law. <laughs> it's possibly something that will be subject to a charter challenge. Like, uh, it, it seems yeah. pretty discriminatory. And we know that uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada is not just for Canadians. It is for everyone in who is in the borders of Canada. And so I, d- I don't know if the provincial government can actually do that, but they have decreed that Legal Aid Ontario uh, funds can no longer go to refugee cases and immigration cases. I mean, what in the fuck logic is that, aside from just inflicting tremendous harm on people and, you know, playing to your racist base? Well, that's exactly it. It's a, I think... I mean, it, in our last discussion, we acknowledged that the liberals are, are not excited about um, uh, publicizing the changes to uh, that, th- that they've made because they know it's it's probably going to be unpopular with their base. But as you said earlier, politicians tend to move where polls are telling them to move and so on uh, with respect to conservatives. And I don't I don't know if there is a poll or something that's uh, that's driving the way that the conservatives in Ontario are moving on res- with respect to this thing. But I do think that they are playing to a base. Like there is, um, you know, an organized 
xenophobic right in Ontario and increasingly across the country uh, who don't want to see any sort of public money spent on people who don't look like them, people who they don't consider members of their community, um, and that includes asylum seekers. Yeah. And in some ways, I wonder, you know, it confuses me that Bill Blair is part of the Liberal Party, but then you think about how the Liberal Party is just the, the same as the Conservative Party, and it's not all that confusing. <laughs> um, and mm. I wonder if that has something to do with what the what the federal government is doing as well. And I'm sure it does. I like, of course, they're they're all floating in the same like ecosystem of of shit as everyone else. Like the the impact that the far right has had on political discourse in this country has been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the Harper years for refugees weren't great. And what Harper did was um, when when there was an influx of people coming from the Czech Republic, Harper sent uh, Canadian agents to like literally stop people from getting on planes so that they could n- end up in Canada and claim asylum uh, here. And they had billboards saying, don't even think about coming to Canada. Uh, your claim will be rejected. Oh, lovely. They then, yeah, they also changed the visa requirements uh, from, from Mexico. So it was much harder to also, uh, come to Canada from Mexico and and claim asylum once you got here. And so, uh, there were a couple of high profile situations where women, uh, would come to Canada and be like, I'm in a, I'm in a domestic abuse situation. If I go back to Mexico, I'm going to die. And the, and the federal government was able to say, well, Mexico is a safe country. Like, again, we're not, we're not going to entertain your, your claim. So Harper did a lot to try and like discourage people from coming to Canada and seeking refugee uh, status. Mm-hmm. But it seems that what Trudeau is doing is is kind of he's playing both sides, right? It's like he's he's putting out sometimes like at the beginning of his mandate, like the stuff he was saying around Syrian refugees was very positive and they brought many to Canada. And like that was kind of the the, the base of what I think they they understood that liberal voters wanted to hear that that this was a kinder, nicer government. And then Trump arrives in the United States and there's an influx of people coming to Canada from the United States, you know, fleeing the United States or 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 had their claims denied and had to come here or whatever reason. And then that And significantly they're uh darker. Well not just darker <laughs> than black. They're dark Yeah. Yeah, they're they're, which is what I mean, right? Like they they are black. They are dark skinned people, and that oh, that darker than Syrians. A... I thought you meant in general. No, 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 <laughs> no, darker than Syrians. They are black, and uh, they're Haitian, and so that makes a significant uh, difference in the attitude that uh, Justin Trudeau um, has towards them and the Liberal government in general. Yeah, exactly. It, which is like so, and Canadians in general. Sorry, let's just be clear. Like it, it changes the way that uh, Canadians are willing to to be assistive or not um, towards this community, which is not. So the 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 far right has organized specifically around the people entering Canada at these border crossings, border crossings in 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 Quebec and and in you know Manitoba or whatever, and it. It has been such an effective thing to organize around that you can literally see, literally see the conservative party like going fucking full tilt towards this this complete racist um, uh, perspective on how Canada's borders need to be you know closed or policed or whatever. And the liberals have not resisted that. Instead, they've been like, okay, this is popular, and so let's quietly do these things 
and you know maybe hope that no one notices and by and large there hasn't been a lot of noise made to oppose the the conservative the fuck the the liberals decision on this i mean activists have made noise and, and we can talk about some of the, the the protests that have happened this past week uh in support of immigrants and refugees but but yeah it's it's if if anyone needs a, a, a more clear sign of where the liberals really are they have that sign in bill blair they have that sign in this money that's being given to the border they have that that sign in in how it's like 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 Quebec has a has a a crisis of um of workers and like there's Haitian immigrants coming to Quebec who speak French who are looking and ready to work and that is a crisis to to too many white Quebecers like that that threatens them because it shakes the foundation of what Canada is in a lot of people's mind which is you know still a white state a white Christian state uh that um that should be able to tell everyone else to go away or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's all very like, you know, depressing is not the right word. It's like worse than depressing because Trudeau still gets away with being like able to apologize for the SS St. Louis, for example. And with respect to the legal aid cuts, it's like already access to the law is just such a clusterfuck, right? <laughs> like, yeah. The law is is such a weird segment of our society in that we don't see it like, say, for example, uh, healthcare, where we're like, everybody needs access to a doctor in order to be well. And uh, generally, we have a socialized system of healthcare. We don't have that for law. In law, it's generally, if you are wealthy, you will win. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if you can afford a better lawyer, you will win. And so we have this one tiny, really overstretched, um, under-resourced way of providing access to the law to people who wouldn't, or access to justice to people who, access to a version, a like, uh, a st- weirdly structured system of justice. <laughs> just have to keep qualifying my statements um uh system of justice um through uh legal aid which is uh legal assistance funded by the public purse and already uh, the way that you can access legal aid you, you have to be making under a certain amount of money a year and 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 so on you have to to be from a marginalized, um, you have to be marginalized in some way um, with respect to your class. And, and the, the lawyers you can access are, are, have, there's, a, there's a ceiling on what they could be paid. There's all sorts of rules around what can constitute legal aid. So already these people who access legal aid are at a disadvantage uh, in any way that they are going to be accessing what we call justice. Uh, And so to take a whole segment of the people who are most at risk in our population away from being able to access that when they are also some of the people who are most uh, in need of justice, most in need of of someone who's going to help them represent their case uh, to a government and a system that they may not even be familiar with. Like, what kind of cruelty, what kind of disgusting cruelty to do something like that? Why? Well, we know why. 
Um, it's the the xenophobia that we've been talking about, but it's just it's just the the cruelty of Canada is just so embedded in the way that people who are migrants and who are assumed to not be belong here are treated and uh, in in these changes to legal aid in Ontario and in uh, what's happening federally with respect to asylum seekers we can see that mm-hmm. and you know as as we know you know we talked about um, Alberta last week or a couple weeks ago I can't remember now <laughs> and conservative conservatism is spreading across the country no surprise there I mean it's there uh, but I think that we're going to see measures like this uh, copied um, across the country. And that makes me nervous. Yeah. It makes me more nervous than I already am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is a country that obviously was founded off of stolen land, that's founded off of genocide, that that genocide is, is continuing to this day that has a government that is extremely broken in many different ways and that serves a small number of people (laughs) very, very, very well. And average people, regardless of of what kind of person you are, but average people can feel that their government, that there's something wrong. And what you then choose to do with that feeling is, might be different, right? And the rise of doing politics differently in North America is the obvious result of people feeling that that clash between knowing something's wrong and seeing politicians who year over year are, are just lying to them. Mm-hmm. And the liberals need to understand that they are playing a very dangerous game in, in the current context. They may be playing the same game they've always played. They may, they, you know, Mackenzie King was a liberal, I think. I'm, I'm not even going to edit that out. So if I'm wrong, like there's my school reach trivia not being super good but the liberals (laughs) have always been a class that a a party that protects a business class and business interests and the conservatives have protected the business class but they talk a little bit like more folksy to you know average folk or whatever the fuck and when you look at the rise of populism whether it's left-wing populism or right-wing populism it's all fueled by this by this knowledge and this feeling that politicians are lying and they're they're lying to you and they're and they're fucking you, you over in some way and journalists are not doing a good enough job to report on what's going on and so people lash out at being mad at the press right and and so i mean the the issues of of asylum seekers in canada i mean it is such a fundamental issue that it, it actually is an example of what Canada really believes when it comes to public health and public education and, and the rights of the person and, and civil rights. Because if we actually believed in public education, there'd be no question that someone who comes to Canada to seek to seek asylum, their kids are thrown in the public system, no problem, that they're not jailed during the long wait that it takes to, to go through their case, that they're given health, access to the healthcare system without being asked to pay or being told that they can't get it until they're, you know, finally accepted onto a provincial health plan, which varies from, from, from province to province. And so they really are the canary in, in the coal mine in terms of how Canada treats people, how the state treats people, and how politicians treat people. And so we really need to figure out on the left how to cut through the, the virulent anti-immigrant and anti-refugee rhetoric that is plaguing this country 
because it is so dangerous and it's so fucked up and it's so normalized. We have a we have a national fucking party that might be the next government that is just like eating it up and shitting it out and calling it public policy. And the far right is like, you know, in overdrive because they see that they're being effective. And so we absolutely need to be resisting this every fucking way that we can. And so if you're a union activist and your union hasn't said anything about this, you have to force them to do that. If in your workplace, your workplace touches some way the, the life of, of, of a recent immigrant to Canada or, or, or refugee lives or asylum seeker lives, like you have got to figure out how to use your workplace to make this into an issue. Because... At the end of the day, this all gets played out in, in individuals who then get put into jail or whose lives are ruined and whose families are torn apart by the Canadian state because the Canadian state doesn't care about them. They care about the integrity of keeping Canada for quote unquote Canadians who are Christian, white and more or less well off. It's also maybe worth mentioning, uh, you know, I don't like to mention Maxime Bernier that much, but it's maybe worth mentioning that he's been on a rampage on Twitter in the last little bit. Yes. Really criticizing uh, the Conservative Party's uh, critic for immigration for not going far enough. He is very clear in what he's trying to do. Before the, the federal election, he is trying to pull uh, public sentiment more yeah. to the right. He's trying to exploit uh, these ideas that people may have uh, the xenophobic ideas that people may have against asylum seekers, against migrants in general. And he is banging on the conservative door, uh, hoping to, to grab some supporters from the conservative party over to his whatever the fuck party. And what that is going to do is, you know, probably encourage the conservative party to move even more to the right when it comes to this uh, this file. And what that is going to do is going to encourage the Liberal Party to move even more to the right. And so as Nora's saying, we really on the left have to be better at combating this rhetoric because the only way to, to you know, have, have the what's acceptable in society either remain the same or go, uh, or go more to the left is to have a strong left voice on it. It means the NDP has to be better. It means that we have to be better as activists. And it means that uh, journalists have to be better at recognizing it, this stuff, when it's coming up and calling it out. But it, you know, this this also makes me nervous what Maxime Bernier is doing. And uh, I'm sure there are people in the Conservative Party who are more in favor of his line of thinking. And are probably going to be having that debate about what their platform is going to look like coming into uh, the election in the fall. Totally, totally. Now, I don't know um, about what it looked like in Toronto, but, you know, we just had a rally. There was there was an, there were activists that called May 1st this year to, to, to be a day that uh, promoted and supported immigration and refugees um, to mm -hmm. Canada. And so we had a, a rally in Quebec City yesterday, which is mm -hmm. great. I wasn't able to make it. Unfortunately, I had a rare having to listen to what my kids wanted to do rather than what mm -hmm. I wanted to do moment. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time in Montreal, there were hundreds of far, of far right white nationalists that took to the streets of Montreal. And surprise, surprise, who got gassed, who got beaten by the police 
the counter protesters. The police listened to the security agents of the far right protesters and tried to deny access to journalists to their rally, as reported oh, wow. by folks at the, at the Montreal Gazette. Yes. Um, I was I received one photo from someone online. I won't name them because, you know, in case they don't want that, but uh, who got a tear gas canister between the eyes. And he's posted oh that picture goodness. or sorry. And then smashed to the ground. He's posted that picture um, on 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 Twitter. So, you know, it's out there. Um, so we know what side the cops are on. Bill Blair is a cop. Bill Blair is a liberal. These forces are all connected. And every single liberal member of parliament needs to have a fucking reckoning on this issue. Because I'm sure that there's liberal members of, of parliament who are not comfortable with this. Oh, absolutely. And so call your local member of parliament, give them the gears and really press them to like justify this to you. And if it sounds like their voice is cracking, like go harder <laughs> and make them crack <laughs> because they need to hear a lot of grief about this. And if you're part of the NDP and you're listening, make this a central part of uh, what you folks are speaking out against in the next few months. Like make it part of your um, of the way that you're trying to educate uh, the country totally. in in the policies and the things that you stand for. Like make it talk about it. Don't don't just ignore it. Like talk about it and not just as something that is a response um, to, to something that's already happening. Talk about it as one of your central principles that you care about people who are here, who come here and the different ways that they come here. Like be different than the uh, than the, the conservatives and the liberals and anybody else who is on the federal political sphere who is not talking about it in that way. Be different. Make it a central part of your campaign. It's like we got Trump in the, in the U.S. making it so fucking easy and he's probably going to be there for another four years anyway, another fucking six years. Like, make some videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, like, look, it actually worked for Justin Trudeau. When he was yeah. trying to be different, he just actually wasn't different. So you can be different and say you're different. It's like win-win, doubly winning. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> doubly winning. 